0: You your right foot in. You take your right foot out. You do the hokey pokey, and you f**k it all out. Stop. And you do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. There you go. Problem solved. You're right, honey. I hate pool.
1: Hello and welcome to Scary Podcasts. Tell in the dark, uh, fun and casual exploration of the horror genre, uh, particularly in film. I am one of your hosts, John Charles, and I'm Barbara Dieselbrain. And well, just right off the bat, Diesel, how 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 you, how you doing? You doing you doing good on this? Uh, what is this? July. It's almost August right now. We're we're, we're just. It's, Steeping from July into August right here.
0: It's getting dangerously close to August. It is. I do not know where July went, but you know this, this year is both the longest year I've ever been in and also the shortest, and it's terrifying. It it really is. Time has time has lost all meaning, which is like
1: honestly the most uh startling thing about the past few months. But hey, I guess that's what happens when when you're just trapped inside for Five months now.
0: Surely there must be a horror movie or two that relates to that.
1: I'm sure we can find one. I mean, I can I think of a couple.
0: I mean, hell,
1: Hellraiser was kind of about not leaving the house if you're <laughs> crawling out of hell and you have no skin. Uh, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. That kind
0: of was, wasn't it?
1: I mean, I think we're all trapped in hell without skin and just longing for human touch so we can just drain the blood out of men you know so we god um, <laughs> a little too relatable I mean, a little here too here. fucking relatable i've been here nailing rats to the walls for weeks and
0: i don't feel like oh well, that's listen much. listen that's normal that that's just home decor
1: uh, it's it's regular it's a regular animal crossing here just nailing rats to the wall <laughs> um so what do you say we go ahead and just jump right into the movie today Hell yeah. Alright, so this week we watched a little movie from 2017. A little indie movie premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. You might have heard <laughs> of it, called Mom and Dad. Uh, this is a... I think the movie kind of builds itself as a horror comedy. It's kind of barely a comedy, it, and we'll get into that, but it definitely has some elements of uh, horror to it. It's... Oh,
0: God. It, I have severely mixed opinions on this movie.
1: <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing we can agree on, it's that one of the movie's leads is a, well, I was gonna say this, no pun intended, kind of a national treasure. A big deal here for the show as we're digging into our first Nicholas Cage film here. Good old uh, the- Nicholas Kikolas. That's right, the Raging Cajun himself, the man who <laughs> owns so many houses that he doesn't notice when his copy of Action Comics number one gets stolen because he just forgets what he owns, Nicolas Cage himself. Uh, he's one of the starring, he's one of the, uh, starring actors in this movie, uh, leading
0: alongside... Um, I'm gonna so be War. real for a sec here. He fucking carries this movie on his shoulders, not unlike Atlas carrying the Earth. I mean,
1: uh, Nicholas Cage carries just about anything that he's in. I, I get into this a lot true, with people, true. or I meet people all the time where Nicholas Cage comes up because somewhere in the last ten years, Nicholas Cage has kind of uh, reemerged in the public interest as this uh, internet icon of bad movies and bad acting. And the thing is, is that well, he's an icon of being a good actor who has very big acting roles, like Nicholas Cage is a very good actor, I would say, dare say, a great actor, perhaps one of the greatest living American actors. Yeah, I think he's a very good actor. I I think the big difference between uh, whether you're getting, like, a a good Nicolas Cage or just crazy off the wall... Well, crazy off the wall, Nicolas Cage can be good in something like Vampire's Kiss, but when you just get the baffling, bad Nicolas Cage, I think think under a good director with proper direction, I think he does a really good job... um, embodying the actor yeah the, the characters he's playing physically but i think you can kind of tell in movies where he's just kind of told to just figure it out and have fun or play around in that space i think that's when you really start getting uh, the real just nasty yelling all the time you don't
0: know what he's thinking nicholas cage yeah and like that that's something that i think um a lot of actors and actresses can get kind of a bad rap for with like that sense of like, oh, you know, they were not good in X or Y movies because they're just not good. When it's like, I feel like there's been plenty of situations where like, they're probably perfectly fine actors and actresses, but when you're given poor material or poor directing, you're just not gonna make a good product. you it's the fact of the matter yeah he, he he's just kind of famous for
1: making a uh, hand over foot a lot of movies in this day and age um he i understand that nicholas cage has a lot of debt um i think so oh it's just God, kind of really? from. well like i said dude owns like three mansions he has like a dinosaur skull he buys dinosaur bones uh he he i mean they a, are
0: a well-known aphrodisiac he's,
1: he's got that pyramid in new orleans where he's gonna be buried he i, I understand Wait, he has Pardone. Like, you, you you're not aware about this? No. Um, it's that cemetery in New Orleans. I, I want to say it's called Hollywood Cemetery. I I should
0: know this, but I don't know it off the top of my head. That um, was. Just, I mean, that's one. That's a hit cemetery back here in Virginia.
1: Oh shoot, you're right. That is the one in Virginia. <laughs>
0: I, I can't remember. The one, I can't remember the
1: one in New Orleans. It's called a hometown. Town. You've ever played a uh, Left 4 Dead 2, the stage where you go through the cemetery, that's the cemetery. Um, I've been by the cemetery before. I wish I had time to stop and see it. But um Nicolas Cage actually has bought a pyramid that he will be buried in when he dies. It's there in the cemetery. And listeners at home, if you've not seen this, just just Google Nicolas Cage Pyramid. You'll it'll probably be like the first thing that comes up. It's it's not even like it's a giant pyramid, just he has a small plot of land and there's a pyramid, like a mini mausoleum. And when he eventually and sadly passes from this mortal coil, that is where he will be laid to rest.
0: I mean, I feel like when you bury yourself in a pyramid, you're basically saying, hey, I am going to come back later. Like, that that's the implication, right? Oh,
1: if there was ever any actor I'd want to come back uh, as a mummy, it would probably be Nicolas Cage. Um, if not him... Um, Probably Peter Falk. I feel like he'd also make a good uh, mummy, but Nicolas Cage would be a good mummy as well, if not the best.
0: His billing on the fucking posters is just as Mummy Nicolas Cage. Uh, but speaking of which, uh,
1: while Nicolas Cage <laughs> doesn't play a mummy in this movie, he does play a dad Oh, motherfucker! Uh... Uh, if anything, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in China, this movie actually goes by the name of Mad Daddy, which is very appropriate as Nicolas I like, Cage definitely I, I like that Maddest.
0: title more. It's a better title.
1: So, just up front before we start talking about this movie, uh, I just want to go ahead and get into the uh, content slash trigger warnings in regards to this film and discussion we're going to be having. Uh, Mom and Dad is a movie about basically parents murdering their children for no discernible reason um the way the violence is kind of portrayed in the film is yeah i wouldn't say it's portrayed well but it's portrayed in a very um brutal manner i can understand for some uh listeners viewers that it could be difficult to uh counterbalance these images across the real life traumas of uh uh, abuse he may suffer at the hands of family or prince figures so if that's something i'm a bit of like a touchy subject for you i understand this is a movie that you might not quite be interested in watching or hearing a discussion about but that's just the content warning for uh mom and dad in general but uh,
0: yeah in in a bubble i think this movie's content is actually pretty damn tame at least by my fucked up standards yeah but um but like when you throw the context of you know parents and their kids into something like this that does kind of inherently bump up any kind of violence really so yeah, yeah I, I think that's a good thing to warn about
1: yeah I'm, I'm talking about stuff like you know like at some point like literally watching like a dad like slap his son across the face so again if that's something yeah, be yeah yeah that's what's in this one um, this movie can be a fun time but just so y'all know going in but um to get into it uh mom and dad is like I said it's it's built as a horror comedy um, it's kind of got a bit of a Twilight Zone premise um, honestly uh, before we even kind of get into what happens in this movie um, the setup of it reminds me a lot of the Purge uh,
0: do you know much about the purge movies uh, Barb I have never watched the Purge to be honest I've actually heard I've heard that the series um... Has gotten pretty interesting as it's gone on, so it's actually one I'd be interested in checking out. But I have not seen it, so I don't have a frame of reference for it.
1: Well, you have the you have the right frame of reference I'm about to go into here, which is that as the series has gone on, it has gotten better. Um, I think The Purge is kind of one of the probably the most famous horror premises for a movie of the last uh, decade, wherein crime becomes legal for twenty four hours once a year and. You know there, there's a lot you can do with that premise between like you know watching criminals go mad watching people survive escape from new york style but the first purge movie actually does not spend a whole lot of time exploring that concept of uh crime being legal um i haven't sat down to watch these movies myself but i've done a lot of reading on them and i used to work under a manager and she was a huge fan of these movies um and like most fans of the series i know she was also disappointed with the first movie not really being about the crime, but being more about a home invasion
0: that happens during the purge. It's it's the later movies that start to play the mythology a bit, and so basically, what you're saying is that the first movie lays out the concept, but does not capitalize it. And you're saying that you feel that Mom and Dad kind of has a similar vibe.
1: Uh, one hundred percent. That's exactly it. Um, there's it. I love. I do love this premise where it. It, it, like I said, it's very Twilight zone in that they, they don't explain it, but for some reason, parents across the country, perhaps the world, almost all at once have suddenly turned on their children, and only their children. Uh, they, like, it, it's clear from scenes throughout the movies that movie that when a parent murders their child, if there's another child around, they're just kind of like, hey, how's it going? Like, they, they really just don't care about anything else except for murdering their child and will not rest until the child is dead and just across the country all at once these parents just snap and we just kind of see the chaos that unfurls and how this impacts the life of one specific family uh the riley's over the course of this day i'm and, impressed um, you
0: fucking remembered their goddamn name uh
1: i wrote notes down i didn't want to just say mom dad ah. the kid and
0: the girl <laughs> and
1: the boyfriend there i want to make sure i actually have names here and uh yeah, uh, the I, I think I the second half of this movie definitely delivers on what is, I think, a fascinating premise where it's not explained and there's a bit of humor to watching these parents just snap for no reason and just, just stalk their kids Jason Voorhees style, but the entire first half of this movie is kind of essentially a home invasion flick, which isn't that original an idea and... It's, I without kind of spoil things a bit. I did find that very kind of disappointing, but I still had a good time with it by the by the middle part. Um, I don't know before we start jumping into the plot, do you have any sort of thoughts you want to preface it off with? Similarly,
0: yeah, um, I I also thought the pre- I think the premise is a cool one. I I appreciate the fact that it did not try to explain too much because I think that that's explaining too much and in some cases explaining at all i think is poison for horror a majority of the time i think having something happen and not understanding why it is happening and you just got to react to it really hits in our like core fucking fear nerves so i i do appre- i think the movie made a good call and i appreciate it that they did not go like oh well uh the The reason this is happening because of this virus, which is attach, attached to this particular protein in the matter, you know, what the, you know, shit shit we don't care about and don't need to know. You know, what's actually funny
1: about this is a lot of the, uh, greater world exposition of this movie is delivered through um talking heads on tv uh one of which bizarrely, fucking is dr oz yeah there's a cameo by dr oz explaining the concept of savaging which i do not know if it's a real thing but basically it's this concept of animals uh determining that they just want to kill their own offspring for whatever reason he,
0: he but literally having it be dr oz like immediately makes you just go hold on
1: yeah, I mean, like, it's like probably well, has no totally. credit. He's, he's not even actually a doctor, and he, in the year in the year twenty twenty, <laughs> he's not probably, even a real Oz. He's just a man behind a curtain pulling levers. Like the, the real Doctor Oz has never actually existed. It's just been this guy behind the curtain the whole time. But uh, it, it's especially in a twenty twenty world in which, um for a moment, Doctor Oz kind of became one of the like political talking heads. I'm really happy that didn't go anywhere. It oh just my God is it just is immediately alarming to kind of see him on screen as himself it's not even like he's playing a fictional doctor he is on screen as Dr Oz it's it's very strange
0: but yeah i, I liked i liked the premise um and i do like the fact that it's, it is they are only going after their own kids and i hate to kind of draw the comparison to zombies but like it almost does have this vo- this like um not literally zombies, but, like, zombie-adjacent vibe because, like, when the parents and stuff are running after their kids, it almost is with that same kind of complete abandoned, um, like, prioritization of their own bodies. They don't even care if they're getting hurt along the way or what's necessarily in their way, but outside of that, Outside of that situation, like once a, their kid is killed or what have you, they go back to being completely normal people. And one of my, one of, I think my actual favorite little scene from the movie was um, around three quarters of the way through. Um, the news stations that you would occasionally see uh, cut to throughout the movie uh, were interviewing a one of these people who killed their kids and the guy was like yeah no um i you know i did that um it's not a good thing that i did it like i i know i did it and i know it wasn't good and i still did it and but i'm also not broken up about it and also fuck my kids man <laughs> and like it's to own the lips and <laughs> <laughs> and like i I almost kind of wanted that explored a little more. Like I like, like I do think it was interesting how like um, these people were, you know, killing their fucking kids in mass, and it wasn't that they didn't understand what was going on. They, in fact, I think the fact that they were one hundred percent lucid made it a lot more interesting, and I would have loved to see just just a a a crumb more of that.
1: Yeah, um, I'll, and I'll touch on this a bit more too when we get to it. But it's funny you bring up the zombie thing too, because any any time we see the parents as as a murderous crowd, they are pretty much always portrayed like a mass of zombies, you know, mm-hmm. clawing between the the bars of a gate, uh, pushing up against glass, staring. Come come here, mommy. Come to mommy. come to mommy. Come to mommy. Like they are, they are, they they do become zombies. Like at some point they they stop being murderous people and they just become brainless animalistic zombies but let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves and just go ahead and just like jump right into the movie shall we right all right so we we open up the we open up the film mad daddy or mom and dad in america which also i don't know if it's intentional on um who i watched this movie on hulu and the movie poster for it uh Specifically, uh, Stacks the words Mom and Dad So you see that the M-A-D spell out Mad And I, I just was thinking like Okay, alright post, You're getting a little too ahead of yourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we open up with some um, Some pretty tasteful uh, Credits actually Very like French New Wavey um, Very yeah, kind of, like, I was... 70's inspired
0: <laughs> I, I'm i glad you pointed those out Because I was also like A little surprised by those credits They were Strangely classy.
1: Yeah, this is honestly kind of the most artsy, artful this movie gets. Um, a lot of it is filmed on a handy cam, so you get a lot of really shaky shots and a lot of very um, fast frame rates. Kind of slowed down to kind of give things that, a natural kind of like quick crawly effect. Uh, if you see Mad Max Fury Road, they use that effect a lot in that movie. Uh, you, like a, you, you crank the camera uh, slower, so you record more action with more frames. When you play it at a regular speed. It just is unusually fast to watch, or you can play it faster and have the action move a little bit faster. But um, yeah, a lot of the movie isn't really shot in a super gorgeous way, but this, uh, these opening credits are pretty tastefully done. There's some great use of colors, some shapes. Uh, you, got, you have a song playing over it. It's it's pretty nice, and it. Kind you got of just... everything
0: you could want color, shapes, music.
1: Nicolas Cage uh nicholas cage's face next to a topless woman followed by a child it's all the (laughs) things you would want uh this intro eases us into this suburban neighborhood um things are pretty quiet uh honestly it's basically the most mundane whitest life you've possibly ever seen um we meet the rileys there's a moody teenage daughter there's a bratty young kid boy um there's the older dad who, you know, he's close with the boy, but he clearly hates everything in life. He's not happy in life. He's constantly thinking about the dumb shit he did as a kid and the life he left behind and stuff. He doesn't want to go to work. He's just not there for it. Um, this man is one
0: bad week away from Breaking Bad. Let's just just straight up.
1: Yeah, I think the movie actually kind of posits a very, uh, a, a very, uh, Shining-esque, uh, possibility here wherein there's an argument to be made that the hotel did not drive jack torrance mad that he already was crazy and ready to murder his family and just needed an excuse to do it and oh i think
0: that's being implied um very heavily by the movie Oh, absolutely. If, if you watch the
1: trailer, there's a there's a wonderful shot in the movie where his son's just being a little, like, shit, and is messing around with a soccer ball inside, and he throws it at Nicholas Cage's head, and it hits him, and Nicholas Cage just whips his head around and stares his kid right in the eyes for, like, about 20 seconds, just, okay. and then he snaps out of it and
0: goes to work, so you can definitely tell he's a man on the edge. Yeah. Um, one one little bit during, like, the kind of intro shots to the movie, like, after the actual, um, like, after the opening credits, but when they're setting things up, you know, introducing you to the main family, um, I did like this little bit early on where the father, um, came in and started tickling his son, but the way they shot it in terms of, like, the framing as well as the sound effects they were using, like, they were using horror stingers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The kind of stuff you would expect from like as if he had come in with a knife or something. But uh, you know he, he's tickling the kid. The kid's laughing. It's completely harmless. And I th- I liked that little bit of playing with expectations and I feel like that's another case of a cool idea they introduced of play, you know, playing with expectations that I kind of wish they had committed to just a smidge more. I would have liked to have seen um that same kind of bait and switch happen like a few more times perhaps even culminating in one where we get double baited mm-hmm. like I, I like i i don't i don't want to get too far ahead of myself yeah I, I've think, got, I've... I think it kind of set some stuff up kind of there's a couple
1: things that i give the movie a lot of credit for later on that i definitely want to get into so like i think i think they do pay out some stuff in a wonderful way um this movie is definitely operating under the fact that you came into this movie knowing exactly what you got. So you're essentially, like, no, you go into this movie, as 99% of the people who go into this movie will go in knowing that it's about parents snapping on their children with zero probable cause and no explanation. So they keep framing stuff with these parents so that you don't quite know when it's actually happening. And that's 100% what this tickle scene is. The only other, the other fit, member of the family is uh, the mom, and uh, again, she's being played here by uh, Selma Blair, and um, she also is disappointed in her life, but in a different way from Nicholas Cage. I, I think Nicholas Cage's character, is, or I'm just gonna call Nicholas Cage, uh, Nicholas Cage is pretty much <laughs> uh, pining for just his. Isn't years his name again. Brent actually? uh yes his name is Brent nick nicholas Brent page is just pining for his youth and being like a dumb kid and his wife the mom um she's just uh kendall is her name she's actually just uh she basically threw her basically had to put her life and her career aside for her family um she, we see that she was like an artist at an advertising firm and through sexism she was essentially pushed out of the job and eventually you know she had kids and once she had kids she had to put all her dreams on the side and it's just a domestic mom living a very suburban life and she's just not happy having given it all away so these are just already it's a house with two jack Torrances. it's like if the site <laughs> was just a house with two Nick, uh, john nicholsons in it jack nicholsons it's just a house with two jack nicholsons in it
0: I mean, listen, sometimes a family can just be two Jack Nicholson's. (laughs) Two Jack
1: Nicholson's, a dad, a mom, and also uh, their Asian maid who brings her son with her to work, who is also there cleaning their home at the time. So we go ahead and we jump to, like, uh, the school day for the daughter. Um, She has a boyfriend. Nicholas Cage doesn't approve of him just because he's a teen, he does the whole, oh, I was a teenager once, I know what it's like, I, I know what they want, so I don't trust them, like, he's doing the whole, like, dad bit, and, um, I, I, and I'm actually a little kind of confused with what's going on at school, because um, the daughter is going to school to go to school, and, you know, like they she's in class, she gets her phone confiscated, the teacher's kind of ribbing her, giving her a hard time about it. Her boyfriend goes to school to take the SATs, at which point, once he finishes, he just goes home, so... I'm a little confused as to whether or not um, school is in or school is not in, and there's SATs. It's
0: a little, it's a, it's a little confusing. <laughs> I mean, remembering how SATs went um, when we were squiddos, um, I feel like they did them in groups. Like it wasn't literally everyone at the same time. They did it in groups, and the groups that did take SATs a particular day got to just fucking book it afterwards because i think really i, I remember yeah. taking mine on a saturday
1: because i had to go to a different uh because we went to what, a management school, school so i had to go to what my actual local school was and they were only doing testing on weekends i think so i actually had to go take my sats on a weekend that was like a whole thing oh saturday. god was it a weekend i'm pretty sure like the sats didn't disrupt school i think you might be thinking of like standardized tests but the you sats know, I happened am. Yeah, the SATs happened outside of school, so I, I, I was just very surprised that they were being administered at the same time as regular school, but maybe that's just how they do in, like, bigger school systems. I don't know. Or
0: maybe they go to different schools.
1: Uh, that's also a possibility, too. I think that is actually pretty likely. Um, while these kids are in school... Um, kids start getting called up to the office because uh, their parents are there to pick them up or something's wrong, and the teacher thinks nothing of it at first. And then uh, more and more, like, lots of kids start getting called to the office. Like, he's getting up to the phone every few minutes, and um, he's just kind of like, I have no idea what's going on. And uh, we're outside the window is just parents, just an entire row of parents. And this is the first time we see uh, the parents kind of... uh, in full-on zombie mode where it's not like they're pressing on the windows, but they're just standing there staring at the kids like like they're a ham on a boat in a Looney Tunes <laughs> cartoon.
0: Yeah, like, they, they hit on some serious zombie vibes during this, that whole sequence in particular. Um, just, you literally have parents, um, like, stacking on top of each other World War Z style to get over iron fences in order to fucking uh lift their children over the <laughs> gate and tear them to pieces
1: yeah these peers are starting to gather at, at the gate and um the teen daughter carly she actually manages to somehow miss this as she and her other dumb shit friend uh, go to the <laughs> bathroom to uh smoke a vape cigarette and uh, and buy do- cocaine I don't know what it was. They were they were pretty much buying uh, sweet tarts. I think some kid just sold them sweet tarts, and they think oh, was it's it, drugs.
0: Was it sweet tarts?
1: They were just, like, these weird-colored tablets. Like, it was definitely... The prop was definitely candy, but in my heart <laughs> of hearts, I believe that these girls were not quite smart enough to realize they had just been sold uh, candy as drugs. So they they basically cut school, um, especially once they kind of start seeing that things are getting a little weird. So they aren't quite around when... Um, These kids are going outside, and their parents are at the fence, and, you know, police are holding them back, and these parents are here just like, come to mommy, come to mommy, come come to daddy, come come to mommy, come to daddy, and, um, you know, they're just kind of separated, and uh, one boy, I'm not quite sure what he was trying to achieve, just... Uh, he jumps the fence, and you know the parents, like like Barb says, the parents just start grasping at him, and uh, they pull him over. And his his parents just immediately just bash his face in with a set of keys, and uh, as like like sharks in the water. As soon as one kid is down, all hell breaks loose, and these parents just bust through the gates, and they're not getting past the cops. The kids are running, and this is when we kind of see like the parents start adapting this uh this um. This, this this John Wick style, just like specificity to how they're killing their kids. Uh, we see a dad just empty a trash can and take the bag and just juke his daughter and just shove the bag over her head and suffocate her. We're seeing parents tackling kids and then a, a policeman tackles a parent and then he just kind of gives off like an adrenaline roar, which I just kind of was like, is this, a, is this like a commentary? Yeah, that, that school
0: cop got way too into beating the shit out of these parents yeah he was he was ready for this he was feeling it you he's been dreaming <laughs> for this day he has been dreaming for the day he gets to fucking drop kick karens
1: yeah we're, so yeah we're, it's it is basically this movie is kind of basically like one of those like the terrors of karens because it, <laughs> it is a, it a lot of karens and these parents here and we're just watching them just like tear like haul ass across his football field chasing down their kids uh meanwhile the mom kendall she's at her uh what do you call this this is it's not spenga it's not uh hot yoga it's the one that you do when you dance and get sweaty what's that one called again
0: oh god zumba
1: zumba that's it yes uh she's do- <laughs> they're doing a zumba class that's, that's a um...
0: fucking blast from the past jesus
1: yeah it's a very sexually charged zumba class with one guy oh not- this <laughs> this dude is
0: this dude is deep-dishing that whole fucking room. Yeah, uh, the, mom, the mom...
1: All the mom, of them. The mom goes to a coffee shop afterwards with her mom friends, and she's talking about how she can't wait for that guy to, to fuck her brains out because he's <laughs> been going through every other mom in the class, and he just she just can't wait till he gets to her, and she's like, yeah, I'll, chunk it. I'll get
0: you one day. This and, dude wears fucking cougar-printed condoms. <laughs>
1: Did did you notice that the coffee shop they were eat they were at was uh was they were drinking out of a uh, cups labeled Heine Coffee.
0: No, I didn't notice that.
1: Once I noticed that that's all I could see is just they were at Heine Coffee Shop and it's like, is that really the best name you can come up with for a coffee shop? Weird. This is this is this is where we start getting into the psyche of the mom and how, how she's just had to give up so much for her kids and she's just not happy with her a lot in life, you know. She she gets back to her car, she gets a ticket she's just stressed out she's at the end of her oh party. I
0: remember just a sidetrack uh, during that scene where she was talking with her friend I remember that they were both talking about how oh they're both so old and ugly and you know they're past their prime their husbands don't want them and I just remember sitting there like you, you both look fine you look great even like what the fuck
1: yeah it, which also reminds me too um, also a little kind of like on the nose and if it sounds like nothing we're talking about so far has really been all that scary, aside from like the garbage bag scene, that's because it's not legit. The first half of the movie is just kind of uh, parents freaking out about their midlife crisis. Um, the teacher, though, at the beginning of the movie, the the, the teenage girl's teacher, after she, after he dis this, uh, uh, the thing you do when you do when you uh, take something away from a kid, what do you call that? Um, Confiscate. There you go. When he confiscates their uh, cell phones in class, he uses them as an example to talk about the concept of planned obsolescence and um, how this... Some things are just oh, yeah. built to die, and so <laughs> this movie plays it pretty much on the nose about the fact that some kids are gonna get fucking killed. You know, like planned obsolescence. Things are born to die. Oh, I'm Doctor Oz, and it's called savaging. Pigs just eat their kids sometimes. It's what they do. Like they they are they are playing this super duper on the nose. They're not being shy about any of it.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like it, it also kind of. Um... I don't know how much of this might have been in, in, intentional or not, but I feel like there's also kind of a um, a little bit of overlap with a lot of, I feel like the anxiety, like, our generation and the Gen, gen Z kids are feeling that anxiety of, like, our, the older generations, not just fucking us over in many ways, but, like... Continuing to actively fuck us over despite mm. being, like, politely asked, all things considered. Like, hey, it'd, it'd be nice if, um, you know, this planet was not a chapped red husk in 50 years.
1: I feel like watching this movie, there were so many other different versions of this movie this could have been, and one of the versions I kind of imagined was this movie that's probably based off of, say a YA, a YA uh, young adult novel about kids in a world where the parents have to be <laughs> eliminated so that they can build a better world like that's, I think that's one path that we could have taken to have been um, a little bit more pertinent I think if you made that movie today I think that's definitely what that movie would be about if that's just kind of like the terror du jour at the moment in the world or at least in America yeah um So before we kind of start getting to everything popping off, I thought that we were kind of treated to a couple of uh, flashbacks, pretty much um, these moments of uh, the family kind of breaking down in little ways. You know, Um, we see an incident with um, the son where uh, he has a bit of like a PTSD flashback to um when he was playing around with the toy as a kid outside and he sees a bunch of crows just kind of like going at some uh roadkill some half alive roadkill on the side of the street um we don't actually see what it is but we can hear it's alive like it's some sort of like chipmunk or a cat or something um and he brings it in he feeds it fruit loops and he decides to stash the uh, shoebox that it's living in in the front seat of his cars uh, his dad's and he stashes it in the front seat of his dad's um, hot rod, like his uh, Camaro or what what have you. And um, he comes back the next day, and obviously, Animal is dead. It's rotted. Nicolas Cage comes out, and he is livid that something real stanky is now dead and messing <laughs> up his fancy muscle car. And, you know, we we, we also see um, in one of uh, the highlights of the movie. You, If you've watched the trailer, you're going to be familiar with this scene. Um, we kind of see some, like, shreds of. Um, a busted up uh dad project in the basement of the house and in a flashback. oh
0: that scene holy shit
1: yeah it's it's revealed that what we're seeing down here is that in a bit of a midlife crisis um nicholas cage has purchased a pool table and built it in the basement and um when the mom comes down and sees it obviously she's a bit uh upset because she's just kind of like well you bought a pool table you didn't tell me and it's it starts the pool table. This is gonna become a man cave, and then you know that's where our money's gonna go,
0: and you're just gonna. And then he, he tries to the fucking family. pivot it to like, no, no, it's not a man cave. It's not a man cave. It's a, it's a family room. It's a family room. It, just it, the, the
1: kids don't have to be here. He kind of starts as kind of like a plea, and then just like on a dime, he turns from. 0 to 11 where he's just kind of like, well here's an idea how about I just get rid of it and he grabs a sledgehammer from the other side of the room and he starts just busting up this uh, table and he's like, I'll just get rid of this pool table because you know it's not enough to have an adult zone we gotta have a kid zone too and then he's, he starts just singing the <laughs> hokey pokey and he's just busting up this pool table while he's just singing, you put your left foot in, you put your right <laughs> out
0: like, if if you... It's 2020. When we go see a Nicolas Cage movie, in the back of our heads, in the back of our minds, and in the front of our hearts, we all are just waiting for the capital in Nicolas Cage scene. This is the movie's Nicolas Cage scene. This is the scene where fucking the The stake was thrown onto the floor. The chains were let go, and they just released the beast. And, and this, it's, is
1: just, this is just a teaser of things to come because, like these these little moments of anger come in small spurts in the first chunk of this movie. But it's in the last like act of this movie. He just he is at this level the entire time, and he is a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, like when, when like I. I said before, Nicholas Cage is really, really carrying this movie. Like, every, pretty much every scene he's in and he's doing just about anything, he's the most interesting character. He, he's, got, he's got the most lively performance. He's generally doing either the most fucked up thing or having the most fucked up thing done to him. Um, it's, he's just kind of a magnet for all of the best things in the movie. Yeah, and
1: I I felt so bad for Selma Blair having to act alongside him as his wife because, um, essentially, she has to match that energy, and I, I can't imagine having to be on the set of a horror movie where Nicolas Cage is just going insane and yelling, and you're just being told match that. Like it's especially it's when quite you, especially when I to. feel
0: like especially when I feel like um, in terms of the film's focus, I feel like this movie is like. Oh, uh, the daughter and the mom are kind of like the A stories, you know what I mean? And Cage and everything else is like B and then C stories and yada yada. And but it's like, it's Cage. It's so it's hard to escape the gravitational pull of his performance. It's yeah, he, he really stealing, difficult.
1: He he absolutely steals the the show of this movie and. Um... It's, it's after a couple of these flashbacks that um, all hell pretty much breaks loose um, their maid kills the kills her son while she's at their house um, and it's actually and, it's actually her daughter oh yeah 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 sorry that's my bad yeah it's her daughter and um the son who was at home at the time he sees this and he goes and he hides because he's understandably scared um, the, the daughter she goes back to her friend Riley's house which Um, I don't know if you've seen any of those pictures of Dr. Phil's house or Papa John's mansion, but the interior pretty much looks like that, and, uh,
0: just- It is- It is a McMansion nightmare. It is- it- it is just so extravagant and so fucking big.
1: Yeah, I I think you're just really trying to drive home just, like, what suburban nightmares these people are in general- and, um, while, while the daughter's friend is, uh, following the, uh, lukewarm trailer of Margarita to find out where her mom is still at home, um, she sees on the TV the news saying that, hey, parents are suddenly turning on their kids across the country, and they're murdering them. This is bad. This is happening. This is real. Now here's Dr. Oz. And, um, she realizes that her friend's gone upstairs. She goes upstairs to see her being choked out by her mom, and her mom's just kind of like, hey, how's it going? Like... <laughs> they, they, they just don't they don't care about anything but killing their own kids and it's at this point that she runs and she books it to try and get home to check on her son not her 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 brother
0: yeah and then um throughout the movie there is a kind of c-plot of um the uh th- what is the mother's name again forgive me uh kendall kendall um, Kendall's sister, who is off screen for the majority of the movie, um, is like they keep talking about. Oh, she's got to be going to be having a baby any day now. Going to be having a baby. Got to oh be boy. ready for your sister's baby. And eventually, um, she does get the phone call of you know her sister's having the baby. And if you're thinking, oh wait, how is that going to pan out during this kind of um, experience? Uh, not great. Exactly what you think is about to happen happens. Like the the instant she gets the baby in her arms after you know actually having the baby, um, she tries to kill it. Uh, does oh, that? The, the, you, this is
1: part. This is part of the thing about how you know the the parents are snapping because we um, actually see a lot of TVs throughout the movie constantly. It seems like there's TVs on in every other scene, and um, you'll see that like usually usually it'll be the news on with some exposition, but it'll turn. To static and white noise. And when this happens, that's been when the parents have been snapping. That's the only clue the movie gives us as to something that causes the parents snapping. Um, we don't know if it's correlated, if there's a signal, if something in the parents is happening on like a psychic level, and it's interacting with the TV poltergeist style. Either way, when it turns to static, that's pretty much the movie telling you the parents have gone insane.
0: Yeah, and... All, all, all things considered, um, with the baby scene, I once again maybe this is just me, having seen too many fucking horror movies and <laughs> being brain and being fucking brain wormed. But like, I, I I I wish they went a little harder on that scene. I wish they went uh, just a smit. Not saying like gory or anything, because like sp- spoiler: the the bab does not die actually. Um, mm. But like, I don't like. They set up the fact that, like, the the umbilical cord was still attached, and, like, part of me's just like, yo, why didn't she, like, loop that around? That'd be that perfect kind of fucked up right there. Like, that's the kind of... When you tell me a woman has just had birth in the middle of some unknown pandemic that is making parents killing their kids, that's the kind of fucked up I want delivered. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like, I definitely think there's, like, a... There's, like, a Stuart Gordon or a Peter Jackson version of this movie that's just so brazenly over-the-top that you do get things... You would get something, like... God help us, a mother choking its own baby with its own umbilical cord, or or just any any number of just, like, dark, over-the-top things to just kind of, like, drive home how bizarre this is, because the the introduction... Honestly, the introduction of Nicolas Cage as the dad alone is part of is like half of what launches this into the genre of a comedy, a dark comedy. I'd say like if it was anybody else, it probably wouldn't come off as quite as funny. But because a lot of this movie is watching Nicolas Cage lose his mind, that is that is inherently funny. And I I think I think there is a version of this movie that definitely does take it a little bit further, is maybe like a, a smidge more violent and also a smidge more winkingly funny like at the camera just up in the ante because i'll be honest i'm i i thought that was one of the darkest moments uh, most of this movie where literally a mother with her newborn child who just literally exited her she's ready to murder it the second that tv turns like i thought that was genuinely a dark turn that it, of all the places i thought this movie would go that was one of the last and I, I i i gave them kudos for that and that that was probably honestly the most tense part of that movie because i was like are they really gonna kill him Newborn baby on on screen. Is this going to happen? <laughs> and, uh, and see
0: that, that that that's the difference between you and me. Because because you're, you're sitting there wondering, oh god, are they gonna do it? And I'm sitting over here rubbing my hands together like, yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's see it. You're in a real Peter
0: Devito mode. Just oh, they gotta get the baby, and I gotta get the baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I. That, like I said, I, I, I like the real fucked up shit in horror movies. That's the stuff that I enjoy. Uh, they, 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 get all the, they get all the babies
1: to the observation room to keep them safe, and all you see there is just a wall of dads just staring, <laughs> waiting to get their hands oh, on those babies good. and murder them. Just a wall of, of, of awestruck, hungry, violent
0: dads. <laughs> they hunger for the bab.
1: Uh, we, we see, uh, we see Carly's boyfriend at his, at at going back home to where his dad is and, um, his dad's there. The house is kind of a bit in disarray. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure what's going on here because, uh, Carly's boyfriend is black and there's kind of like this element here of the dad, the, the boyfriend's dad probably kind of like raising up the son in a kind of a broken home getting better and then what's happening today kind of comes off as a relapse to the boyfriend because uh, when the dad starts to turn the son's just kind of like come on dad I thought we got over this like you're doing this again I thought we were gonna be better than this and so when it's kind of clear that his turn to violence is a little bit more than your run-of-the-mill domestic <laughs> violence and actually him trying to murder him um the son manages to escape uh, accidentally killing the dad in the process and only suffering a full a few stabs of a broken uh, bottle, where and he, he immediately tries to run back to Carly's house to check on on uh, his girlfriend.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh... I... oh, go on. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, that this kind of loops into one of the things that what I would feel is kind of low the weaknesses of the movie, and that like I feel like with the characters who are not white, like the um. Their cleaning I mean, it's lady. It's
1: it's the boyfriend and the cleaning from lady. Yeah, the boyfriend it.
0: the cleaning and that one. That's fucking it. Like right, like you already don't got a lot to choose from. And two, I feel like obviously everybody in this movie is painted with wide strokes. But I feel like both of them are just veering way into like stereotypes and uncomfortable assumptions a little uh, bit again
1: there's a twist on this near the end that I actually will give the movie a lot of credit for um, I think part of what this movie is kind of trying to get at commentary wise is again kind of like this banality of suburban life like particularly of just like the, the, the white lives of these boomers and the lives that their families leave that are just banal and mundane and just how their hair's throw it away from just snapping for literally no reason. That's kind of what I kind of yeah. got the movie was going for, but they only really kind of do so much about it. And again, the first half of this movie just kind of comes off as um, middle-aged parents just pounding about the fact that I was 17 once.
0: Yeah, I, I, I feel like they ended up pulling their punch, which I think is why um not feeling so hot about it like like you had the um like you had the uh uh, uh, like aggression with um nicholas cage's character towards her boyfriend and i feel like they were initially kind of um like angling that of him being uncomfortable with the fact that she was dating a black guy but then they just kind of settle on just, um, he doesn't like her being with a guy, period. He, he's,
1: he's just a dad. Um, when the boyfriend gets to the house, actually, um, you know, they, they, they get there and, you know, they, they kind of arrive uh, against, uh, against like, um, the remaining cartage of the maid having killed her kid. And, like, she's mopping up the blood just very daintily. She's like, do you want lunch? Do you want lunch? And they're like no and um <laughs> the daughter runs upstairs to check on the check on her brother and the boyfriend stays downstairs trying to get the maid to leave and that's when Nicholas Cage comes home and in another one of the strangest Nicholas Cage scenes in this movie um, he's just kind of like what are you doing here and he's like, you need to go. Like Bad things are happening in the world. I think Paris is returning. And he's just kind of like, oh, I thought I told you not to come here. You can, you guys can be lovey-dovey out there, but not here. And yeah, I, I was your age once. I don't know and what you guys were into now. It's, I, don't, I don't see any of it. Uh, ass to ass, anal beads, <laughs> stuff I only used to read about in books. And I just kind of was like, no.
0: <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> Bear in mind, earlier in the movie, we do see him watching porn. Oh, wait, was he watching porn? Or, wait, are you yes, about you there was. Work? There were moans and shit coming from the computer. I, I,
1: I thought i thought we were hearing the screams of uh parents murdering their kids because i no. couldn't tell either because i was waiting for a cross cut where we saw his screen and saw he was watching porn but we never get to see it so nah dude tell. those were
0: fuck those were fuck moans. i know those anywhere those were fuck moans. i mean look you're a professional so i
1: trust <laughs> i trust your perspective on this like that- <laughs> I, I, I do not need a second opinion. You are the professional. You're the Dr. Ross The this situation. So I'm going to trust you on this. Oh,
0: don't call me the Dr.
1: Oz. <laughs> um, So this is the point where it just goes full on mom and dad murder rampage spree. The mom's making her way back home. And in the meantime, Nicolas Cage is chasing the son around the house. Um, there's a Chekhov's gun of him early in the movie talking about the fact that the son leaves his toys everywhere. He's got to fall and break his neck. Um it comes to pass, he trips on a tonka truck and knocks himself out. Uh, Daughter and son run up blocks those of the room. In the process, boyfriend gets knocked unconscious. You think he's dead, but, dear listeners, he's just unconscious. We'll get back to that later. Um, The mom shows up. Um, At first, you kind of get this feeling that she's managed to kind of break out of the spell because she's constantly kind of having second... She looks like she's... has very pensive second thoughts about
0: murdering her own brood. But then she just goes along with it anyway. <laughs> it, what's, what's actually really interesting is... Um, they do... Like I said, these people are lucid. They are aware of what they are doing. And they are aware of the fact that it is fucked up. It's not like, like... They don't care. That's what it is. They do not care about the fact that it is fucked up. They simply want to do it bad enough. and But that lack of caring does not extend beyond their familial unit once Mm -hmm. you get into other families or as we kind of see a little bit later other relatives um yeah you start that familial caring kicks in again and i think that's interesting i think that is a i'm glad they went there as well because that is kind of a natural question that's raised like hey okay they don't think it's fucked up to kill their own kid. Do they think it's fucked up to kill other people they know? And the answer is, yeah. They do like, think it's fucked like, up. They don't go quite exactly feral. They
1: just are driven by the singular purpose of murdering their own children.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Although I swear to God, Nick Cage's character goes, like, almost foaming at the mouth feral at some point. Oh, we'll
1: get to that, because that's one of the best scenes of this movie. Um... So the kids have locked themselves in the basement. Um the parents are there. Um again, as, as Barb kinda of pointed out, they're still very lucid because they try to do the um negotiation thing of like, honey, are you there? It's me, your mom. Come on out. We just wanna to talk to you, please, we wanna to talk to you. And then I was like, We're not coming out and then Nicholas Cage just immediately like, No, oh, you
0: come out, you motherfuckers! Oh. <laughs> <It's just fantastic. laughs>
1: <laughs> like, the mo- the mom's at least trying to be good cop, but Nicolas Cage just goes full-on, just crazy, just demanding to just, like, get in Three Little Pets style. And then, mind you, immediately
0: begins weeping. <laughs> <laughs> he is going through a wide range of emotions. He, he gets, like, five seconds of just of just like paternal rage and then that melts away and you're just left with a man who doesn't know what the fuck to do
1: uh, that's when the mom gets the brilliant idea to go get their motorized uh jackhammer and attach it to a device called a saw all which i swear to god i've never heard it before but i the... i've heard of it oh okay so is this just like a little just like uh like a like a workshop tool of some sort yeah it, it saws all yeah, they, they emphasize that a lot during this <laughs> movie, that the saw-all, saws-all, trademark. It saw, saws-all. <laughs> so while the mom goes to invent this uh, automatic saw-all that Nicholas Cage doesn't believe in, he goes upstairs to try to procure his gun, only to find that it's missing. And in fact, the kids have it and shoot through the door, shooting the mom in the arm. And um, they kind of argue for a moment, and they have a very real, lucid argument about just kind of like oh, they shot me with your fucking gun. And it was like, well, I thought I locked it away. And it was like, what was the combination? And it was, oh, it was the son's birthday. And it's like, you know, one of five accidents in the home happened with a family member shoot somebody with a gun, or what would I have done if somebody broke in? And we see, like, a, a flashback of the son in nothing but his underwear, <laughs> just <laughs> unlocking the gun, loading it, and just, like, playing Dirty Harry in the mirror with himself. And
0: it just goes back to the So It's, su- it's <laughs> such a, like, that. that's one of, like, that's just a Funny fucking scene. And, the, and once again, it, it, is, it is leaning on the fact that they are 100% lucid. These are not zombies. These are not mind-controlled people. They know what they're doing. And I do love the fact that it's like the moment they are, their minds are thinking about anything that is not kids, they're having perfectly logical thoughts. It's yeah, just work. the moment they think about their kids, they want to rip their fucking skulls off
1: well, it reminds me so much of the escalation of the family dynamic and um specifically the incredibles where you have uh you know you have the whole family and they're always in yeah. these like, situations where you know either they're like driving the van into metroville or they're fighting the omnibot or just any number of things and while they're doing these these superhuman feats and fighting villains they're having conversations in arguments the way a family does you know like <laughs> when they're in the car and the mom's like oh you want to take this exit and, and bob's like no that exit's busy this time of day we got to go to that one and Helen's like, no, if you, don't go, if you go down that one, it's going to take you twice as long. You have to go down that one. It's like, I'm making the turn. And all the while, you know, like, they're driving this van at, like, top speed off of a rocket. And this part of the movie totally has that energy where it's just a family... Being a family while the family unit is also simultaneously breaking down, quite literally.
0: Yeah, and I will also say, I think that, um, while well, through most of the movie, Kendall does play second fiddle to Nicolas Cage. I think... This is the chunk of the movie where she stu- where like her character does shine a lot more because mm-hmm. she kind of fulfills the, um, you know, the ego to Nicolas Cage's id. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. we we get a very fun, di- we get a genuinely interesting couple dynamic. There. There's
1: almost like a Jesse James Pokemon energy to this. To be honest. <laughs> just them yes. trying to just like outsmart these kids and um
0: it know, is just, a re- it is very much a reverse home alone uh
1: as as the evening goes on the kids still have not left the uh garage and i mean the basement and that's when uh mom and dad get the idea that they're going to seal all the holes in the doors and the windows and they're going to flood the basement with uh gas if the kids don't come out first the gas will suffocate them so at this point they're just waiting each other out and um the daughter carly she's figuring out that this is exactly what's going on um and she sets up a very home alone uh, uh-esque trap (laughs) of putting a match striker and matches on the bottom of the doors that when it opens uh it will it'll explode and in the meantime they need to find a way out of this garage before they choke to death and um so and time passes and uh mom and dad decide it's time to get down there and just murder the kids um they open the door, match strike, it explodes. We get a wonderful fast frame, uh, fast motion, mm-hmm. slow motion shot of Nicholas Cage being blasted in the face with a ball of fire, and he gets blasted out of the room. He gets blasted back,
0: uh... Beautiful slow motion cage.
1: It's wonderful, and, um... In time, the, the mom comes through, um, chases the daughter upstairs into her bedroom, into the closet, um... They're, they're like fighting over the bed and stuff and it's at this point that the boyfriend actually manages to get back up again so he wasn't quite dead and together they manage to lock the mother in a wardrobe um all while the mom kind of starts doing a bit of like a like a deadite uh try to get you moment where she's kind of like please honey no I'm okay actually I'm okay I'm gonna kill you so like they're they're, they're fi- like she it it's a zombie movie like it's evil dead it's a zombie movie like this, this part, I mean, this is the last 30 minutes of this movie, but I'm into it. I kind of like where this is going, where it has become about the parents versus the kids in a situation. And on one hand, you do want to see the parents win, but you also want to see the kids survive. It's a great thing. I'll say
0: this much. Um, the, the, the daughter, she honestly is pretty okay, all things considered. Like, she could have been way worse. Um, her brother... I wanted that kid to fucking eat a bullet the whole movie. I wanted that kid dead. I wanted that kid obliterated.
1: Oh, no, yeah, it's like the boyfriend's pretty much the only, uh, competent person in this whole movie, which, it's why, it's just pretty disappointing when the mom reaches through the armor with a wire hanger, uh, and while flailing wildly, stabs him through both cheeks with the wire hanger, busts out of the armor, and throws him over the banister, where he falls, hits the stairs, hit a chair, and then hits the ground, he's dead, he's done, he's out of the picture, these kids have to fend for themselves now, and, um... It just escalates and escalates. Nicholas Cage gets back up. He's a little singed. He's got Fruit Loops burned to his face. <laughs> <laughs> um, got the, uh, he's got the saw all just just chased into the house, going saw all saws all saw all saws all. <laughs> they've got them quarter in the kitchen. Very good stuff. Um, the, the, the kids are trying to plead with the parents Oh we're so sorry We, we could do better next time We're sorry we grew distant We'll make better And they're about to die When suddenly Ding dong Uh oh We forgot We
0: called grandma and grandpa to come <laughs> visit today And bear in mind Grandpa is a Vietnam War vet <laughs> And he is played Brilliantly in a wonderful cameo By Lance Hendrickson
1: so Nicholas Cage goes over <laughs> the door, and Lance Hendrickson and his wife are there. And he's just kind of like, ah, sorry, we're kind of a little baited today. And they immediately pepper spray him, and they get in. And much like every parent around the world, they too are out to kill their children. <laughs> so
0: now the- you have grandparents chasing the parents who are chasing the kids around this house. Yeah, the, f- the fact that they, that they went to the next level and answered, no, this is not just children. If you are someone's child... They are going to kill you. Mwah! Beautiful. That wonderful moment. And, yep. of course, they're around and they're, you know, they're seeing their grandkids and they're like, oh, hey, hey, Tootsie uh, Bear and stuff like that, you know, saying grand old people stuff. And also, Kendall is, like I said, she is aware her husband is being hunt you know, hunted down and actively being gutted. Um, she doesn't want that. They don't want her. They just want Nicolas Cage because she's not their kid. They don't want her, but she also doesn't want Nicolas Cage dead because, you know, husband. And she's trying to now do what the kids have been doing, which is argue, hey, you don't want to do this. Come on, you got to snap out of it. You don't want to do this. And seeing that role reversal was really, really interesting. Again, like, it was in these last 30 minutes that I kind of
1: saw the movie that this whole movie could have been. Um, mm-hmm. It's something really fun. It's kind of something I hadn't seen before. It's This movie is a stupid premise, and I like that they took it to the next even stupider level by throwing <laughs> the grandparents in the mix in the final minute. Like That is a brilliant twist. If, if anything, that is maybe the best twist of the whole movie. It's just throwing them in at the last second like that. And again, they... There's a movie where the whole movie is kind of topping itself more and more like this. And at this point, when the family is kind of chasing each other around the house, I kind of found myself kind of hoping that more of the first house movie was spent um, kind of getting to know this house a little bit better. Um, If you've seen uh, Don't Breathe, Don't Breathe did this amazingly, where, you know, that that movie's about a bunch of stupid kids trying to rob a... uh, A veteran who is seemingly sitting on a huge gold stash but little do you know he's a veteran he's basically principal skinner and john wick (laughs) one but he's also he's blind but that means he hears really well and so like you know when they enter this house the the movie takes like a solid like 10 minutes to familiarate you with like hmm this doorknob is weird that that uh board creaks that's the weird stair. that one's loose there's a knife right here there's a table here watch out for this runner it's a little loose like they do a really good job of spilling out these details in a really obvious way so that when the chase begins you're 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 tense because you know like oh my god they gotta get to this hallway without making a noise so this blind guy can't hear them but they're about five steps away from the creaky board are they gonna step on it and i would have loved to have seen a little bit more of that in the first half of this movie um you get it a little bit with things like the Tonka truck or, like, the meat tenderizer that the maid kills her her daughter with. But, like, this was the point where, again, the action's not super well shot. Um, the steady cam they're shooting with is kind of shaking a lot. So it is a little hard to follow the action at this point. So you're just kind of really relying on, I guess, Nicholas Cage chasing his son around this house while he is literally barking like a dog. <laughs>
0: Oh it's it's the good shit. This this is this is the point where he well and truly goes fucking feral.
1: Uh, this is this is actually maybe my favorite part of this whole movie here where um they work their way into the garage eventually where Nicholas Cage's precious car is and the son gets itself in there cuz you know I think he's pretty sure that the dad wouldn't possibly harm his car and we get one last flashback that's of uh Nicholas Cage and his oh, son. Oh that was a
0: great flashback.
1: Uh, Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're talking after the son has kind of stashed this dead animal in his car and Nicolas Cage is going on this beautifully acted monologue where he's talking about um, having been a little kid and wrecking his, his wrecking the car as a teen and his dad forced him to buy the car from him and told him that the only way that he could drive again would be if he fixed it up and he drove that car himself and he tells the story in a very Nicolas Cagey way. So and explains being...
0: how much fucking pussy he crushed in that car. Yeah, he's getting into
1: a little bit of like cast or Troy territory. Like, it's surprises to just start talking about peaches at this point. But um, <laughs> the, the point of the story is just how much he loves this car. And so he turns to the sun and he tells the story. He's like, Oh, and you know, I, I took that whole summer and I built up that car and I put it back together and I was never so proud of it. And I tell you what, son, you know I you know and I even got so hey I even got so much pussy in that car. Don't tell mom, that's why she's upset. But you know, I love this car and you know you know, if you were ever to touch this car, I would oh kill God. you. Would fucking kill you. <laughs> that's the thing is that they're both laughing and he just kinda of stops he looks at the son <laughs> to make it clear that he's dead serious and if he touched the car he really would kill this son.
0: <laughs> but then, of so course, funny. it cuts back to uh, the, the the present, and he's taking a fucking garden hoe to his car to get to his son to rip him to shreds. And yeah. then, and at, you know, he's broken into the car. He's going after him, and then behind him, his fa- <laughs> his father comes out, whips out his Bowie knife, and starts stabbing his butt.
1: Yeah, he's just going to town in his ass, just like stabbing this thing. And Nicholas Cage is screaming, and the son is scared. Nicholas Cage starts kind of like flailing, and he starts the car, and then Chains of Love starts playing. <laughs> and this is the part where I'm just kind of like, this is this is crazy. This is it. Like this is the this Some is the scene serious that makes this movie troop. for me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the, the grandma still chasing the mom around. He's still chasing uh, the daughter around. They get outside and eventually. Um, the car busts the garage door when uh, the, the gas is hit, knocks out the grandma, kills her cold, um, mom's about to turn, kill the daughter, when just then, boyfriend shows up, smacks her across the face with a shovel, and she is down. This was actually, maybe I thought, like the best subversion that this movie did. Um, by casting that boyfriend as the only black character in this movie, <laughs> and by having him seemingly be one of the first named characters to die... I was ready for him to just absolutely fill that role of um, the black person in the horror movie that dies first to kind of kick things off, and he essentially gets killed two or three times, and every time he's not actually dead. I mean, the first time it kind of worked because it was like, oh, I thought he was dead, but he just got knocked out. The second time, you see you him think go- he's over the fucking rail. dead? Yeah, you see him pretty much break his back and fall two stories down, like. After getting a, a hanger through his face. So, this you know, this lad dead.
0: is made of fucking steel. So
1: seeing him turn up at the literal last second was actually a twist that I was super into. And I thought, like, you know what? That was actually pretty clever. And you managed to twist me with something that I didn't expect. And I expected you to do less with. Kudos to you, Mom and Dad. You did a pretty
0: good job on that one. <laughs> it, was a, it was a nice twist. I'm, and it was nice that... Like, it, it, it is just funny just how much fucking punishment he fucking took in this movie <laughs> jesus also one thing we actually forgot to mention um i think i actually think damon um the boyfriend mm-hmm. had one of the best lines in this movie um uh, which, which, which one was that that was when they were um when they were trapping um kindle in the closet dead eyed style during that scene um after Kendall kind of goes quiet and they kind of relax for a bit and he and the girlfriend kind of have a little... They start to kind of... They hit that point when the um, adrenaline kind of is making them see everything is kind of funny. And they, they start joking a little bit about the situation. And He remarks that uh, it's a good thing that his parents are divorced because it actually ended up... Um, you know, uh, doubling his chance of survival. (laughs) Which then, of course, immediately gets stuck through with the fucking
1: um, coat hanger. I mean, there's a sequel bait. His mom comes back to get them.
0: You know what? You're right. You're right and you should say it.
1: Um, So this basically just takes us to the last scene in the movie where the kids have managed to tie up the parents in the basement. And um, at this point, it's not clear if they're still on their murderous rampage or if whatever came over them has passed. Um, I think it's pretty much implied here that the kids have tied them up and they're going to either leave them to die or they are going to kill them because there's nothing else they can do because, you know, they're going to well,
0: fucking babaduke them.
1: I mean, they're basically giving their whole, like, goodbyes, I'm sorry, we, we don't want to do this, but we have to. And the whole time, the parents are just kind of like, we're, we're sorry, kids. We don't know what came over us. Like, we, we don't understand what just happened. Please, you have to forgive us. You have to forgive us. And, um... Nicholas Cage just kind of looks him in the face, and he's like, Ah, we're so sorry. You, you kids, you know, we love you very much. But sometimes you just make <laughs> us so angry that we just want to! And the movie cuts the title, Mom and Dad, credits roll. That's the end of the movie. It just ends on kind of a wet fart, and
0: it's over. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it it's not... It does feel like it just needed another minute of something just another 60 seconds of some yeah
1: i i i think i i think they were trying to go out on a bit of a laugh i think there were so many other better things they could have done honestly i think i would have moved that flashback from the from from the crosscut of like them being in the car to flashback to the car i would have had them in the car and then end with that flashback monologue of nicholas cage talking about how much he pissed off his dad built up his own success and loves his car and if anyone ever if his son ever touched his car he would kill him i think if that's where it cut the credits at the end of that flashback i think that would have been a much better button to go off on but the one they chose is just it just falls so flat and so quiet and the movie just so suddenly ends unresolved
0: yeah i definitely agree and i think that as a result it also would have um broken up the last bit of action um in that movie it would have made the pacing a little bit snappier since you didn't have to pause the whole thing, show this peaceful, slow flashback, then jump back to about 30 seconds more of action, which le- le- pacing-wise is weird. So I-, I agree. I think that could have been pasted there at the end in some way. Um, but
1: no, Other than that, I mean, Mad Daddy, what did you think? What's
0: your What's your verdict on this one? <laughs> I th- I've I've got plenty of criticisms and I'm probably still gonna have stuff to talk about, but like, all, on the whole, I would say it's worth a it's worth a watch. I think the best thing I can say about it is this is a horror movie. I would like a sequel to. I would like Absolutely. to see. I want I want a sequel so they can do something better. It's I can feel they can do better, and that's why I want a sequel. Not because it's amazing and I can't get enough. Because like. Oh, they were so close. They were so close to hitting it out of the park.
1: Like, I I think they got a purge on their hands here, where I think think playing most of this movie with the same beats as a home invasion movie, cross-cut with, like, a movie about people out of their prime, I think it just kind of ended up with most of the movie being a movie that you've kind of seen dozens of times before, while that last half an hour was actually something you hadn't seen before in a horror movie. And, um... You know I, I think if i was going to make a sequel to this there's not really that much else you can kind of do with a full story i think i think it's kind of part of why the movie is structured the way it is but i think i think there'd be something to be said for maybe a bit more of like an anthology structure for this movie perhaps like if the movie followed perhaps the lives of three families whether the families ever intersect or not you know like maybe you see what happens with you know like this this posh family in the suburbs and you see what happens to like a family living in the city that's in a bit more close quarters, or perhaps like uh, there's a family who's adopted and they're not affected, but the kid doesn't believe them. Like, I think I think there's I think there's anthology potential in this story if whether you're going with like this is the world now or here's what happened on Mom and Dad night like across the world in these different places, these different people. I
0: Some think of you the can Mom and Dad
1: night. Like, I, I think you can have something just really you have something really fun you can kind of get to the crunchier, more fun parts of the story a little faster while cutting out these parts that are basically kind of just setting up these kind of very generic characters and these premises. Um, I mean, the whole thing about A Newborn Mother, that could have been a whole separate segment all on its own. Like, there's there's yeah. there's, stuff, there's stuff there, and it's a neat, fun premise. But ultimately, this one kind of just gets, like, one thumb up from me. Um, I think if you're going to watch it by yourself you could probably catch all the best scenes in probably, like, a YouTube compilation, you know, like, if you saw, like, the the Hokey Pokey scene, the scene with the baby, (laughs) um, you saw the scene with the saw-all-saws-all, you saw the car scene, like, I I think Nick
0: Cage and the titties.
1: Talking about anal beads and (laughs) ass-to-ass, like, I think, if you could see a YouTube cut of just all the best Nicolas Cage moments from this movie, I think there's a lot of fun to be had here. Um, if you had a couple of friends and some beers to sit down with i think the whole movie could be kind of fun this is a this is the kind of movie that's very easy to kind of talk through without ruining the experience so this is a this is a good if you want to watch a bad horror movie with your friends this is definitely one i'd recommend for that especially since it's just been sitting on hulu for the past 3 years and so you probably have access to it right now but yeah. otherwise it's it's a little bit of a pass for me
0: yeah, it, 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 it's just... It does feel like so much wasted... Well, even wasted doesn't feel like the right word. It just feels like uh, it, its priorities were not straight and that it did not have quite as solid of a vision as it should have. Um, you know, like you've said before, that last half hour, that's when it fucking goes off. Before there, like and that last half an hour there there's a horror comedy there oh, there's absolute abso- that we are 100% in horror comedy territory before that though um, i think before that the movie falls into this weird place where it's like it doesn't know whether it wants to play horror comedy it doesn't know whether it wants to go for social commentary it, 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 and overall, the and it's like the movie isn't scary, like capital S scary. This is probably not going to be a movie that fucking keeps you up at night. This is very much kind of a schlocky time, which is not a bad thing. I love schlock. Oh, yeah. But um, you know, it's not. This is not a, this is not a, a movie that is going to give you spooks and scares. So it's like when. Most of the of the comedy isn't landing for most of the movie, and most of the commentary isn't landing, and the scares, even during the best parts of the movie, if the, when the scares aren't landing, it's kind of like eh, it's hard to recommend. Yeah, it's. I, I, I think I think like
1: right up until the part where the where the family and Nicholas Cage are going crazy, just a lot of the violence is a little too realistic for its own good. Um, I mean, the baby stuff notwithstanding, um, like I said up front with the, with the warning, a lot of the violence in this movie is... a lot of the violence in the first half of this movie, with the parents against the kids, is a little too real. Um, when the boyfriend does go back home and his dad is is beating him, again, there's a huge implication here that he was raised up in a broken home, and at first, this violence is indistinguishable from probably what he was brought up by, and. You know, aside from kind of like the mm, troubling politics of this be happening with the only black character in the movie, um, that violence just, it's its not titillating and it's not scary. It's just kind of upsetting until the very last minute when the dad is killed on a table, I suppose. But um, a lot of the violence is kind of of that tone. And I thought that was kind of like the wrong tone to strike for a movie where the highlight is Nicolas Cage destroying a pool table while singing the Hokey Pokey? Um, yeah, that, it, that, felt, that, it felt like two movies at odds with each other.
0: God, e- e- even when the, like the dad dies, it's like the, the the dude's fucking like wrecked that his dad's fucking dead. Like it's it's a it's a heavy fucking scene. Like it doesn't fit. It does not fit in this movie.
1: Yeah, I like I said, I, I think either a shorter version or an anthology version would make a fantastic movie or a fantastic sequel but like i said we got some friends you got some beers you got an afternoon yeah, this is one i think you can have a fun time with especially if we're doing like back to back with another nicholas cage classic like i don't know oh yeah no, like no. if
0: you if, if you're having a cage night f- slide this in there e- easy cage night yeah, material right here. You, good shit I'd,
1: mean I think you could I think you could follow up like a, a a wicker man or a vampire's kiss with this one to kind of come down while the pizza's been delivered and they just kind of are <laughs> chatting while the movies going on in the background but yeah um I don't know is there anything else you want to say about this one
0: um yeah just sequel win give me a sequel I'll, I'll watch a sequel like that it it sounds like such a backhanded thing, but I, I would love, I would love a second swing at this. Yeah, it's
1: same here. Okay, so I think that's gonna do us for tonight. Um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so far for everybody who has uh, subscribed and let us know that they're enjoying the show. Uh, we really love hearing from you guys um if you haven't already you can follow us on twitter at scary dark pod um there you'll see when we announce when episodes go up um i've been announcing when episodes go up what what episodes we're watching next about a week in advance you can kind of get a little prep if you're the type who likes to watch along before you listen along or maybe you're the type who likes to be a little bit more surprised i don't know but make sure you're following us there and do make sure that you subscribe to us uh, right now i know you can find the podcast on PocketCasts and itunes um We'll work on getting it on some other places it was easy to find but if you get that rss feed you can pretty much drop it into wherever you like to listen or find podcasts and eventually you'll find it some more places um we're also still taking uh questions and letters for a upcoming mailbag episode um if you want to tweet at us or if you want to email us scarydarkpod at gmail.com um we're saving up those questions saving up those letters and and we're going to sit down and answer them. And we've already got some great burning questions about horror movies from you all. And yeah. we're really excited to dig into that. I Honestly, I, I could see us maybe getting to that maybe in the next episode or two. So,
0: I, if, I'd I'm, be I'm really kind of down wondering. for a fucking just a questionnaire episode. Because Lord knows we are both the type of people who can just go off on those kind of questions
1: absolutely and I, I i definitely think uh once you kind of see some of the stuff we're getting into and the conversation that spurs uh if you didn't write one this time you might be inspired to write one next time and you're always welcome to ask us anything about horror movies horror games uh horror nights at amusement parks uh any of the movies that we watched anything that you think we should watch movies that weren't horror that you kind of found kind of scary just whatever, like, this is your chance to kind of talk to us and kind of pick our brains and this kind of stuff, so please, just let us know. Um, Barb, you got anything you want to uh, hawk right now?
0: Um... Just th- thinking real quick. Sorry. Brain hey, fart. <laughs> I mean,
1: I, 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 I can go ahead. Um, I don't have too much going on right now other than this uh, podcast. It's kind of a big project I'm working on right now, but... Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Sonic9JCT. That's where you're going to see anything I have coming up. You'll catch it there. I know I've had some shirts go up on the Yeti lately, so if you missed those, uh, following me is the best way to make sure that you catch any of my fun new designs when they go up or any art or writing things I'm kind of working on or just my thoughts on whatever I'm playing or watching at the time.
0: Yeah, and um, you can find me at at DieselBrainArt on Twitter. Um, If you like... Horror and monster-themed erotica. Um, you can check out Diesel Brain on Patreon, Subscribe Star, and Pixiv Fanbox. Um, I have a presence on all three. And don't forget, and,
1: a lot of her stuff is eighteen plus real uh, ass yes. to
0: ass, anal bead
1: kind of Nicholas Cage <laughs> thing So you're gonna watch. You're gonna want
0: to watch yourself there. <laughs> yes, yeah, squ- squiddos, stay the fuck away. Um, but if you are an adult. Um, I am starting up production on a uh, a werewolf-themed um, erotic film. So, hey, if that sounds like it's up your alley, give my stuff a look. All
1: right. Um, if that's going to be all, then, I think we're just about good to say goodnight. Yeah. All right. Uh, you guys take it easy and um, tuck your kids into bed. But not too much, or you might end up like a
0: mad daddy. Sleep tight, don't let mom and dad bite. And don't get (laughs) spooked.